Welcome to the Blue Side Podcast, brought to you by Cambridge University Science Magazine. I'm Ruby. And I'm Simone. Every two weeks, we speak to local researchers, university staff and students, and anyone who works in science to learn about their research and activities, hear about the work that they do, and uncover what goes on behind the scenes. If you want to get in touch with a question, suggestion, or just want to be featured on the podcast, just drop us a tweet. Um, our handle is at BlueSidePod. And you can also email us at BlueSidePodcast at gmail.com. So this week, we're celebrating the launch of the latest issue of the Blue Star magazine. Which is super exciting, and we've invited Laia Saratosa, who is the issue editor, um, to ask her a bit about how she brought the issue together, as well as the intersections between science, writing, art, and how we communicate in general. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, and we also caught up with some of the authors and contributors to hear about their articles and what they found exciting about being involved with the magazine. Welcome, Laia. Congratulations for your release of the Thank Blue Sky issue, number 47. Uh, the issue highlighted our place in the universe, and uh, it sort of had an underlying tone that you uh, wrote about in your editorial about a sort of cautious positivity about where we are as a species and equally where, where we're going as a species. And it features a really wide range of articles which all have their own relationship with the focus of the issue. So, first of all, could you tell us about how you found the experience of being issue editor and what it was like to have that creative freedom and set these types of themes? Um, so I really liked the creative freedom. I think that was one of my favorite bits. Well, what does it mean? I guess you have creative fr- freedom at home, like in your room. You can produce whatever you want there, but also like it's just the resources, kind of to have that freedom with the amount of resources that Busai allows you to use. I guess uh, for our listeners, do you want to maybe explain what your role is as issue editor? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the issue editor role, it's kind of like it's divided and it's a little bit like as, as large or not as large, but kind of as involved as you want it to be. Because the main role is to recruit writers. If you can't do it, then the issue manager does it, but in theory you should do it. And then also come up with the idea with the focus and, and also in general with the with the tone of the issue and what you want it to be about, basically. And, like, from then on, you can be more of a manager, like, accepting all the articles and then uh, sending it to the editors without doing much editing yourself, necessarily. Or you can be heavily involved, which is what I was. So I, I was involved with the with the art, I was involved with the, the editing and, and just with production as well. So, so that was that. As a writer and as an artist, you submit something that you like, right? Like that, that you think is, is good and that will go in well. And if that thing is like not taken in or like not included, that very often or like, yeah, most often doesn't have to do with the quality itself. It has to do with like how it fits with the magazine. There were maybe four articles uh, that, that weren't included in this magazine because we overcommissioned, but my, my job or the job of the issue editor is to, is to kind of look at all the articles and how they fit together. What is ideal is if you can get like a logical succession mm-hmm. of, of the articles and that's what, what we try to do here and whether like they create a, a cohesive sort of mm-hmm. situation. Blue Side will probably not reject like things, <laughs> uh, not or not often, or 
or probably will publish on the web or for, for these kinds of articles. Yeah, if you write something, it'll, it'll be It'll, it'll be, be published it'll be there in some, somewhere. In some way. Yeah, in mm. some form, at some point, it'll be there. Um, but, but even for other, when you write for other outlets, uh, don't be discouraged uh, by a rejection because uh, sometimes it, it doesn't necessarily... That, and that's something that I learned being the issue editor. So sort of seeing it from afar, seeing from how the other I got side, in China. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, from the other side, that's right. That actually it didn't really matter. Like it was, I was happier to include uh, maybe like quote unquote worse article like to begin with that was more on theme or that was going to help this progression better than like a great article that had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. that maybe, and then you can't see that mm-hmm. as a writer. Um, we were talking about the theme theme of the issue being our place in the universe. Mm-hmm. Was this sort of your goal or your vision at the outset, or did that kind of develop as you started to think about what you wanted to put in the magazine? And sort of how would you define that theme? Like, how, how has it been encompassed in the in the magazine? It was really serendipitous, like how I came up with it. I I use scare quotes. I'm doing scare quotes because I didn't really come up with it. I just I didn't know what to do. I had. I'd been working before this, and in general, I'd been working on uh, a series of space poems. Uh, so that's so poems about poems space. about space. Oh, right. And like, I was really interested in, in that. And like, it was it was as close as I'd gotten to scientific writing, I mm-hmm. guess. And so I had that interest, but I never thought of like that kind of so you know of, of actual scientific writing in in that way. And then um, I saw, like, a friend of mine sent me a link to, to the new physics, like, the then new uh, physics Nobel Prize. And the main page said, our place in the universe. And I thought, ah, well, that really works. And also one of the professors is, is from Cambridge. So it really kind of, I thought, oh, maybe I could use that. And then I thought about it for a week. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, yeah, that works. So it became the, the theme. It became, yeah, it sort of became the theme because I thought it would, it could work. I couldn't find, you know, I didn't think of anything better. And, and, it, and this worked, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in terms of the, the kind of um, artwork side of things, mm-hmm. so you said how you have to recruit different writers that obviously write um, pieces that fit within the theme of the issue, mm-hmm. I guess. How does the kind of artwork side of it work? Do artists just produce work based on the theme, or do they have to produce it related to an article? Mm. Or, yeah. Yeah, that's that a good process? question. Basically, you ask writers to write a, a short summary of their articles, and then you send that summary to the artists. And then once you have a draft of the actual article, if the if the artist hasn't come forward with a with a, an illustration, then you can send the whole draft. But. Uh, to make things faster, you, you send a short summary. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, how it works, I mean, I can volunteer the information of how the whole kind of, in general, how it works is you come up with a theme, with the idea, then you do a sort of recruitment stage where you try to recruit writers based on the, the articles that you've thought about that surround this issue. But of course you have, some people really want to write about what you've thought about but some people want to write their own article and if you find a way to make it fit mm-hmm. then that's great uh, so some some of the articles I, I didn't commission they just arrived mm-hmm. and I thought oh they, they fit um, and then um, so once you have that you have the summaries you send the summaries to the artists whoever whoever came forward saying that they wanted to illustrate for blue side uh, you can even let them choose. You can say, these are the summaries. You can tell me if you're particularly interested in one thing or the other. And then uh, your drafts 
start coming in. Yeah, and then and then from then on, it's editing. Mm-hmm. It's like several rounds of edits. And uh, how did you go about choosing the the cover art? Do you commission the cover art separately, or um, do um, you choose an, an artist that you think, oh, this person's art kind of captures a theme, so I'm going to commission them to make the art for the cover? Basically, I had an idea for. I didn't quite know about the cover necessarily, but I had an idea of the palette, of the tone of the issue, and that sort of thing, and I told my sister, who's a really good, like, I don't know, artist, because she paints, and but she also draws and that sort of thing. So uh, she she's a really good artist, and I, I discussed it with her, and I said, would you like to do the cover? And she she was doubtful, she didn't know. Meanwhile, someone else sent in a cover that they'd already done, mm-hmm. but... Like I had thought, oh, my sister can do it if she if she has the time. And then there was this other cover. By by that time, basically, like in close succession, I received both Two pieces. Covers, yeah, yeah <laughs> both covers. And I guess it was really kind of an unfair advantage. In obviously, I'm biased because I like my sister. But I I sent out uh, the both both covers mm-hmm. around anonymized, obviously, uh, to to a bunch of friends and and just. Anyone who yeah, I could and think the of, and, so and yeah, 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 and uh, there was a, a more or less kind of uniform response that uh, that was the the cover, like my sister's illustration, encompassed more of what kind of like more of the articles, uh, but we can see the alternative cover in uh, the focus. So the focus illustration uh, would have otherwise been the cover. So that's on page 14, if you're looking yeah. at a PDF <laughs> online or in your hands. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, uh, it's really And nice. this background, I think mm-hmm. part of, part of uh, the problem at the time as well is that the background used to be brown. Mm-hmm. And, well, as you can see, like, in general, the, the palette, uh, yeah, and the it was a dark brown, brown, basically. Yeah, it's quite soft. And it's very, very soft. Or I don't know if soft... I don't know about... Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree that it's soft, but in a way, like, it's just uh, very light. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so the dark brown I was afraid would set the the wrong kind of like impression of what mm-hmm. was going to be inside. Um, so, I, it, but in the end, uh, Marcia she was very graceful in letting us change the background, and and she she agreed to be on the focus. So, mm-hmm. um, so she was yeah she was really nice, and and I think it looks great. Yeah. <laughs> so it's beautiful, beautiful yeah. magazine. Like it's the the colors are fantastic, and I think it really does encapsulate kind of the theme. Yeah, but if you're in Cambridge, please um, go to your nearest science department and pick up a copy yeah. because they're free and they're everywhere. There's, a, I think, like, yeah, they are everywhere. Like Three thousand copies or something. Yeah. So grab yours, oh, and otherwise, cool. just take a look at it online if you can't wait. So we've kind of discussed sort of your role as as issue editor and the sort of sort of responsibilities that come with that. But when sort of coming down to like the content of the issue. Mm. Um, are there any parts that are kind of your favourite parts of the issue? Is there anything a little bit different that you'd l- sort of like to highlight? Like I know there's some poetry in there, which yeah, yeah. I personally really liked, and some creative writing, which is quite unusual for a science magazine, but actually I think it, it works really well. Oh, I'm really glad. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear that. Well, so Blue Sky has, um, has a, a section that's for art, artsy science or for sciencey art usually, and it's the pavilion, and you can do with it as an issue editor. You can also you can sort of do with it whatever you want. You can put it wherever you want. It usually is at the end. I decided to put it in the middle, but uh, because I do creative writing uh, on like as a side 
I thought that it'd be really good if I could sort of leverage <laughs> that and put a story that would be tangentially related, but not on the nose. Like, I don't know, because I could, I could have had like a story that was about science, but I thought it was more kind of uh, flowing with the theme or it was more uh, interesting to have something that wasn't directly related to science, but that put the theme of the issue in perspective. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the pavilion like is not science based but has this child maybe who wants mm -hmm. to who wants to be an astronaut because so like more like science inspired I guess. Yeah. Well, is or... it even science inspired? I'm not entirely sure. I mean, it has some science in it uh, in terms of the they're at the planetarium, but you don't have to be a scientist yeah, to be at a planetarium. Sure. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like I think I think maybe that's does uh, quite some job in terms of the writing inside because the art is something else. But in terms of the writing, that does some job in in like in like setting a tone, mm -hmm. um, and that's that's why it's also it's not quite in the middle. I think the focus is actually in the middle, but uh, but it's close to the middle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's why also the art opposite to it is kind of the same style as the cover, mm. and the cover has three moons at and or or suns i i don't know yeah. but basically it it has this like supernatural element or fantastical or mm -hmm. whatever that it, that is sort of like referenced back in the in the pavilion mm. and i guess is that something that um because you said before that you hadn't considered science poetry or maybe things that aren't necessarily like very science related to be part, like a way of doing science writing is that something that you've changed your mind about after the issue? Has your perspective of, I guess, what science communication or science writing can be changed? That's a really good question. Um, uh, yeah, because I was quite strict on that. Like, I not strict. How can you be strict on an opinion? But I had quite a strong opinion mm -hmm. uh, about this, that, like, you know, you had writing, like, creative writing, and then science. And then you had scientific writing, and scientific writing was kind of, like, pedagogical almost. Mm -hmm. But I guess it doesn't, I mean, it can be ped pedagogical, but it doesn't quite have to be like a teaching necessarily. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess I have in a way. And I have also because of the art, because of the art that's included, because of the illustrations that are included in Blue Sai, I felt like the Blue Sai, at least this issue, wasn't strictly, it was about science communication, but wasn't strictly like you know, purely science, that it was sort of some hybrid mm -hmm. that was more hopefully than the sum of the, of the parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you think in a way, like, sort of the combination of, of the science with the art actually really helps accessibility? Because, mm -hmm. for example, if you have someone that's perhaps more artistic and they see the magazine, they are more likely going to pick it up if it's sort of got a more sort of artistic edge to it I think because mm -hmm. um for instance my my mum is very arty and I know she'd be very much drawn to to a cover like that whereas for example if it had a picture of a microscope on it I don't <laughs> yeah. think she'd even pick it up or give it a second glance so mm -hmm. I quite I quite like the the the, com the combination of those two things and I think it might sort of attract more people than you might imagine just purely from a sort of visual sense like would you yeah mean? that's what I was hoping for well I'm I'm not sure I was hoping for uh, so I mean ultimately yes I wanted everyone to to find it interesting like to to want to look at it but uh but at the same time like I wasn't thinking about it in terms of accessibility but you're you're very right like I just thought like how I started about this is like how do I do something that's not like dumbed down science only like that's not like you know like 
again in scare quotes like that's not just science in plainer language and then like with some pictures mm. I wanted something that was going to be that I would pick up that if I saw like I'd be like oh what is that I'm not quite sure like and that, that's kind of a really organic way to learn about things that's the way you normally you know you stumble upon random articles or you stumble upon something that's on the tv or, or a yeah. conversation that you have with your friends and that's kind of the organic way of, of finding new things out is that you just end up randomly suddenly learn about them yeah so i feel like no one's going to pick up a magazine that they know only communicate science unless they have the precise intention of learning exactly. some science today you know sit down and, and go for it i think that yeah having that kind of artistic um element to it or at least knowing that it's it's more than just you know, learn about some science that you didn't know about before, but like the intersection that that might have with art or with society. No, but yeah, and also like how do you learn about things like when you're a child, like you see something that's pretty or like mm -hmm. that's enticing and then you're like, oh, how does that work? Oh, that's, that's, that's really cool. It's strange for a child to go for the, for the strong like non-fiction, for the textbook. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's very shiny textbook, yeah, I guess. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it's more but then than it's the shine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's more than superficial. This is what like aesthetics and in general like art are, are taken sometimes uh, as as very because it's at the surface, because it's what you see, doesn't mean that it's not that it's less important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think often, especially with things like magazines where the focus isn't to make it an art magazine, and it doesn't have to be a science magazine, it can be a magazine about politics, a magazine about literally anything, is that the art is, some, is seen as like accompanying the text, yeah. but somehow like as a secondary plane, or as like almost as, as an afterthought. And yeah, I feel exactly. like what works so well with your issue is that both the text and the artwork, the fact they were thought of as one kind of big message. Hopefully the conclusion that you get from that is that the image helps the text and the text helps, helps the, the image. image. Mm. Yeah. Is there anything that you think that people should know about the issue or do you think would, if you could pitch the issue to whoever's listening oh right now. Oh my god, oh no, this is so difficult. What's your like elevator <laughs> pitch? <laughs> no, I think it's in my editorial, I guess. In a way, it's a combination of scientific writing and art, um, be it lit like literary sort of writing or illustrations that I hope form a cohesive narrative that that helps, like one side helps the other. So it tells you about, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what where we are. Is it your synergy there? we are, yeah. off each other. And if people were thinking of getting involved with with mm. Blue or with any other type of science communication, yeah. what would you kind of encourage them to do? Or do you think people have to? I feel like often people <laughs> feel like they can't contribute because they've never written an article like this before, no, or they've yeah. never illustrated in this kind of way before. Or what would you say to someone that is thinking of maybe? contributing to Lucy or similar yeah so what I what I told people who were more um, more had more reservations about writing because they hadn't written before or that sort of thing write something because well, if you feel like you want to get involved then there's no other way of getting involved like you just have to write something and um, in terms of blue Sci, there are several opportunities several layers of getting involved there's first the weird and wonderful or the news and reviews which are the two 200 word articles and they're really e like not easy but if you don't feel so comfortable then it's not such a huge investment and mm -hmm. you can see what the editing process is like mm -hmm. and that sort of thing and can people get involved with the editing before they've done any writing as well yeah yeah they can yeah in fact many people did and the current issue editor was one of the people who came forward um, just sent me an email saying I want to edit and Hazel was excellent. She was really, really good. 
I like she did first, second, third editing, like she did all the edits. <laughs> when I had a really tough article, I just sent it to her. So, but she hadn't written anything for Blue Side. I just like noticed that her edits were really good, so I just mm -hmm. sent her that. And and now she's the issue editor. So, you don't have to write to be a, necessarily to be a good editor. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's a good way of, of figuring out. You know, when you're when you're editing other people's articles, you see the first draft of what comes in because often, yeah. you know, people don't realize the amount of work that goes into producing a magazine oh, and yeah. how much things change between you know the moment that you first email it in and then what gets published. Yeah. So I feel like because that's what happened to me back in sure. Edinburgh that the first time I got involved with the site which is the science magazine there, is I was like, oh, I couldn't possibly write an article, oh. so I'll just edit. And then when I saw what came in, I was like, oh, I could I could write something like that. Like, it doesn't have to be that polished and that crazy. Like it doesn't no, seem that bad. Yeah. Um, and oh, and something that maybe needs to be said is, it's so much more important to be eager and like ready to discuss criticism and sort of like uh, change your article and like kind of accept. Not, not necessarily, you don't have to passively accept everything that's said no, but to be you. Open because, to feedback. But be open yeah. to feedback and to, and to modifications mm -hmm. um, than it is to write a, like a great article. Mm -hmm. Because then, like, and it's so much more pleasant and rewarding to work with. Because mm -hmm. you see like the evolution. Yeah, and I think that's out. how you can really improve as well. Like if you're too proud to accept some corrections, then you know, maybe writing is not for you because you can learn yeah. so much from the different mm -hmm. ways people read things and, and the way they, sort of, their suggestions and I think for any writer it, it's just a fantastic opportunity to really learn about the way you write and what, what you can improve and mm -hmm. like, I, th I think it's And make so many other aspects of your writing better yeah, as well, so, yeah. you know, if you you write for the magazine but then your actual communication in terms of the articles you might have to write for your um, for your research or an essay or any regardless of what kind of industry you're working in, I think it can be quite rewarding to get that kind of feedback because you often don't have the chance to get feedback mm. from you know people three times before it's published in a yeah, know, magazine or, four or, five or, or, or six or five. <laughs> so I feel yeah. like it's such a great opportunity yeah so great. thanks so much for talking to us <laughs> thank you for having yeah. me thank you it's been really uh, really good to learn about sort of how a magazine really gets put together and how much sort of passion and love and hard work goes into it as well so many people yeah <laughs> many, many, many people <laughs> they're all listed inside the magazine yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah thank you everyone yeah it's crazy how much work like happens behind the scenes and all you can see is the sort of final printed glossy mm -hmm. magazine mm -hmm. uh, which don't forget is free to pick up around cambridge and it's available online at blueslide.co.uk and it's so insightful to hear from everybody who's involved. Um, so actually, we had the chance to speak to some of the authors from this issue uh, when we attended the launch party last week. Yeah, so up next, we have Felix and Evan. Um, and apologies in advance for the change in sound quality um, because we recorded this next part in a pub. <laughs> so, yeah. So we're chatting to Evan Rowe and Felix Apolka about their article about uh, AI. So hi guys, um, thank you for speaking to us. Would you like to just tell us a little bit about uh, your article? Yeah, so we have written about artificial intelligence, especially like bias in artificial intelligence, because this is quite a popular field right now, a very popular topic, and it has a lot of promise, so there is a lot of uh, opportunities in AI, but we should not forget that maybe some of the applications of artificial intelligence also have certain risks, and we wanted to talk about those and what are the, yeah, the, the potential downsides to applying artificial intelligence in certain fields. 
And I think one of the things we wanted to get across in the article was we quite often rely on artificial intelligence and like algorithms and these systems to be like unbiased and, and logical and rational. Uh, and that, that's often not always the case. And then they can replicate the biases that their, uh, their coders have. So you spoke to uh, Dr. Jennifer Cobb. Could you tell us a bit about her and why you chose to interview her for this piece? I, I came across her during uh, one of my classes uh, when I did my master's. Um, so one of the lectures that we had was about bias in, in AI, and she gave the, the lecture. And I was just fascinated by, well, how complex the field is actually. And as a, as a computer scientist, I didn't really think about this as much. Uh, and then seeing sort of the, yeah, the, these other aspects about artificial intelligence, I think that was really interesting. I could have just read about this myself and tried to uncover as many facts as possible, but I thought, well, she's a great resource and a great person to talk to about these, uh, about these topics. So I was coming out of this piece from a slightly different angle. It's uh, linked to some research I've done in the past around like science communication and, and uh, ethics in, in science and, and that kind of thing. Actually, we both uh, submitted quite similar proposals to, to Laya, who's the issue editor, uh, about this piece, and she suggested that we work together on it. Felix had this interview, and he's also got a lot of knowledge about artificial intelligence and, and how it works, and I've then also got the stuff um, that I've worked on before. Yeah, so then we kind of brought them together, and, and I think a lot of what we had complemented each other quite well. So part of the Blue Sign magazine, so one of my favourite parts of it is the sort of fusion of uh, your work as writers and the art that's in it. So the person that did the artwork for this article was Rita Sasidaran. And uh, what do you think about the, um, the artwork? Do you think it fuses well with what you were trying to put across in your writing? First of all, I, I agree. I love having artwork that is specifically curated to go alongside certain pieces. I thought it was really interesting, actually. I thought the article talks about racial bias and racism in these systems. And I thought it was interesting that the artist chose to portray white skin in the, the kind of human parts of the, the art, which I think says a lot about the kind of topic we're talking about. I would agree with that. Um, also, I think it's great because you kind of see the, the human side. So you have like these human patches that are combined with the, you know, the artificial side. And I think that's great because this is essentially what we see right now in, in AI research and in AI in general, that we combine these human factors and artificial intelligence. And right now we're experiencing what the result of that combination is. So what happens when artificial intelligence meets, well, like natural intelligence and the kind of factors that we need to consider. What's the result of AI or what's its effect on society? And well, how do humans react on that? What Evan said um, that... Um, Sometimes these effects can be uh, can be quite dangerous, especially for for marginalised groups. So, obviously, the listeners will have to go and look up the article now. Um, if you'd like to check out the um, article as well as the artwork that goes alongside it, uh, you can check it out in the latest issue of Blue Sky on page twenty eight and twenty nine. If this episode has inspired you and you feel like you want to get involved, then just head over to our website, which is all the info you need on who to email, uh, when each issue is coming out. Uh, but just so you know, the deadline to sign up to the current issue uh, is coming up soon, so don't hesitate. And if you're not sure how much you can contribute, like really don't worry about it. You can write something as short as like a book review, um, which is what Hazel, the editor that you'll be pitching your ideas to for the next issue, um, wrote for this one. Um, here she is talking about her experience as well as her plans for what's next.
So now we're talking to Hazel Walker, who wrote a review for The Uninhabitable Earth by David Wallace Wells. So Hazel, how did you go about choosing uh, what book to review? Was it kind of your decision? Was it an editor decision? Or how did that work? Um, it was my decision. So I read it and just felt like it was a really kind of powerful book on the subject of just climate change in general um, that really got me thinking and I was telling friends and family like you need to read this so um, I wasn't sure about contributing a full article or anything because I hadn't written before and I thought this was a quite a short way to get involved and kind of get the message out that I think people should be reading this book basically. So you definitely recommend this to anybody who might be interested in, in that sort of subject. Um, are there any other books that you'd say that you've read recently that would sort of adjust similar issues or that you'd recommend to anybody or yeah I would definitely recommend this one although I would say it's not like a happy read it's definitely a very blunt read I don't have any to recommend on that subject right now but I have a few on my list I think there was one called letters to the planet or letters to the earth it's a kind of collaborative one that looks good um, and I think there's one about the green new deal that's been quite popular I can't remember the name but yeah, there's loads of books right now out. Like I find when I go into Waterstones, there's just stacks of books now. It's hard to keep up with, but it's a good one to start. And maybe there's some more optimistic ones that you can move on to to try and feel good about it again. Um, so obviously we're chatting about uh, the current issue of uh, Blue Side, but um, you're going to be, or you are actually, the issue editor for the next Blue Side issue. So without giving too much away, um, what would you say uh, this issue is going to be about and what, what have you sort of been up to so far in planning it all? Well, kind of in keeping with the subject of the book, I wanted to have quite a climate focus, but given that this book was quite blunt and really made you think about it. I want to, want to try and celebrate some science that's helping climate change that might be lesser known and kind of give it more of a positive spin and keep people feeling like those around them are contributing to it and also focus a little bit on kind of well-being in science and, and how to keep people happy. So far I've just been kind of getting ideas ready and hearing from people that are interested but there's still time to submit more so hopefully people can get in touch if they think there might be something that they want to write about. Thank you so much for tuning in, um, especially since this was our first ever episode as hosts. Uh, yay, we got through it. <laughs> uh, next time we'll be talking all things sustainability with Martin Howes, uh, coordinator of the Green Labs Initiative at the University of Cambridge. Uh, yeah, so don't forget to follow us on Twitter, uh, give us a like on social media and subscribe uh, on which, whichever platform you're listening to us on so that you don't miss the next episode. We'll be out in two weeks. So yeah, see you in two weeks. See ya, bye.